You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio alongside Mike Chappell, I'm Dave Griffiths. This is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Joe Hopkins here on the board as well. And Mike, we start off with a very happiest of happy birthdays to one Mr. Eric Ebron. Uh, many touchdown catches last year coming over from Detroit. Many more, he hopes, and he would say so in his future here in Indianapolis. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how, if we're wishing Eric Ebron a happy 27th birthday. Because I, 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 there's no question that the season he had last year was one for the ages. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it surpassed his touchdowns, surpassed his entire four years in Detroit. Is, you know, now what? W- what do we do for an encore? Can he do another, you know, double digit touchdowns? I'm really interested. Of all the players of Colts have got it, he's the one guy I want to see how do you deal with success? Because they, mm-hmm. they mentioned. Part of his problem in Detroit was that he, he really feeds off of confidence or the lack thereof. So so how how will he handle success? Can he come back and be the same type of player? I'm really interested. You know, I read a story uh, online this week about uh, if you could redo one pick from every NFL team over the past three or four years, and who would you take instead? Of course, the Colts was Philip Dorsett. They would uh, select Landon Collins in that scenario. Obviously, that's pretty. Uh, that's a pretty obvious choice for for the Lions. They had Eric Ebron there that they would repick Eric Ebron because everyone knows his time in Detroit was at, at best adequate and at worst a colossal disappointment because he was a tenth overall pick. As a tight end, tight ends don't go that high. First of all, so first of all, Detroit put him up on that pedestal and easily. And if he didn't get success immediately, he was knocked down. And he didn't get success immediately, he was knocked down. And I think part of what also goes into um, just the disappointment there is who they could have taken instead at that 10th overall pick instead of Eric Ebron. Taylor Luan, who's now a very good tackle for the Tennessee Titans. Odell Beckham Jr. was available there as well. And then maybe the worst of all, Aaron Donald was still available there. That you could have had Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue for one year before Sue left and then... You just have Donald in the future. Didn't Donald go 11th in that draft? Yes, I I think he went the very next pick. Ten teams wishing they would have taken him. Yeah, completely. And Detroit, Detroit Mike, certainly worst of all. But now, now that he came to Indy, he got the change of scenery. He got, as you mentioned, the confidence. So I think the sky's the limit for him what he can do this year. Because, again, I I still harp on, you know, we talked, he came here with the the history of the drops. And he still had drops. He still had some. He He still still had some. But... You know, and one thing that Frank Wright has has told us is, as long as they're not, you know, it, it's not a a, a a major problem, they can live with occasional drops. And and Ibram was a perfect example. I had some drops, a couple of a couple of them in a, in a, in a tight game was it in Philly or New York, wherever it was, Philly, I think it was. But when you have thirteen receiving touchdowns, fourteen total, and you do, and you're the threat he was. You can live with with shortcomings. So happy birthday to Eric Ebron. Also out this week, the Colts preseason opponents. We have the four listed. We knew Cleveland was going to be one of them because of the joint practices. We know Cincinnati is going to be one of them. That happens every year. Uh, Week one of the preseason, the Colts will visit the Buffalo Bills. I remember a couple years ago going to Buffalo for the season opener. you know, it was better in August than in December, or January. Yes, that's true. So I was going I was getting to that. Of course, the uh, the snowball that was a couple years ago. Um, so Buffalo, it, like you said, in August, much better. 
Head out there, go to the Anchor Bar, enjoy yourself some wings from wings. the place. Oh, they're they're fantastic. It, it, it's a kind of a hole in the wall place, unless they've renovated it, which they probably no. Haven't. I don't think so. Not when I was there. But it's one of those neighborhood places that you go there, and you just you have, if if you if you go there and don't have wings, what are you, you doing? Sh- you should be arrested. No kidding. You know, so but it, it's a cool place, and, and they were very good. I went there, and like I said, it's the place where the buffalo wing was supposedly created, and uh, really enjoyed it. My, so. my lasting memory of Buffalo back in my newspaper days, Robin Miller and I were on the beat. And he, he was my date to the Niagara Falls. Oh. So Robin Miller and... going and, the Maid and, of the Mist tour together. We we didn't go on it, but we looked... It, it's an amazing... If you've never been there, the sheer power of the, of Niagara Falls is amazing. I'm telling you, Central New York and that region is a very underrated destination because you go to Buffalo and it's like, uh, what's there to do in the city? Sure, you go to the Anchor Bar, but eh, after that... But then you go outside of that... And I know from my time in college in central New York and also from visits there when I was younger to Niagara Falls and the like that. It's gorgeous. The Finger Lakes region is amazing. If you ever get a chance to head up there. Casino real close, too. Yes, highly recommended. So that's week one of the preseason. The Colts will visit the Buffalo Bills. Week two, hosting the Cleveland Browns. And as we mentioned, the Colts and Browns will hold three days of joint training camp practices, eager to see how they perform against another team and an up-and-coming team with a Pretty dynamic offense is going to be what it looks like in week two of the preseason. Week three, the big week of the preseason where the starters see the most men. The Colts will be at home, so the fans will love that to have that game inside Lucas Oil Stadium hosting the Chicago Bears. And then finally, week four, visiting the Cincinnati Bengals when the starters will probably not play, not even sniff the field. And that's it. Those are the four games. Anything jump out to you about those four games that I didn't touch? It's the preseason, so no, maybe nothing should jump out. The to Cincinnati. Us. My only question: I, I may should have made a call if if I was more interested. But why they're back there two years in a row in Cincinnati? Because mm-hmm. it normally rotates. But uh, they played forever. They, they've played almost every year since '85, uh, and, and and that's what that's what the league wants. That's what teams want. That last game you play on Thursday it gives you the extended uh, time before the opener. So it just. But it's just such a – for fans and the media, it's a difficult game to watch because you're mm-hmm. basically watching the vast majority of those players won't be here. Exactly. But to having said that, if I'm Chris Ballard and his personnel staff, there's going to be a player or two, there always is, who does just enough, more more than likely on special teams, it's a mm-hmm. linebacker to DB, where this guy can be a core player – there's always a player or two that jumps out and, and, and hangs on because of what they do in that last game. And it's certainly crucial for those players in those situations. You don't want to minimize the importance of the game for those guys' livelihood, but for fans, it's just difficult to get into, Joe. And I kind of looked over it the first time, but that Chicago game is going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. If there's Khalil no. Mack going against uh, the pass protection and all that. Yeah, this yeah is, this... two up-and-coming teams. And if you know, Colts fans are definitely number one in the state, but I would say number two is definitely Chicago Bears fans. So there's going to be a lot of mix of both. That's going to be a fun game to get to. Cincinnati is going to be close, too, if you're talking about top top fan bases in this state. Because I know a bunch of people who are, let's see, J.R. Todd, the NHRA driver, is a Cincinnati Bengals fan. Kyle Guy, the MVP of the Final Four, Cincinnati Bengals fan, just grew up in a family that was Bengals fans. So there, there are a couple of them here as well. Yeah. It's, it's when you go, whatever the north breakoff is, whether it's, you know, it, certainly Fort Wayne, mm-hmm. further north, it's 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 bear country. Yeah. But uh, that, that's that's a that's a good third game because you, you want that's getting you starters will play at least a half into the third quarter, and this is when you're going to see you know, how, how does the offensive line look? Can you keep Khalil Mack from 
getting to your quarterback, and it's that's it's a very good matchup for that third game, and it's at home. All right, we're going to talk a little bit of this uh, this podcast about the Colts' under-the-radar draft needs. We've talked a lot about big needs that we see in this draft. Edge rusher it seems to be a key year after year, or a theme year after year, whatever you might have it. Cornerback safety, we, we've we've blown those out of proportion over the past couple weeks. So we're going to wide talk receiver. About, yes, wide receiver as well. Mm-hmm. We're going to get to some more under-the-radar draft needs or question if the Colts will take players at this position in a little bit. But first, we'll get to a couple of topics of uh of interest this week specifically um the colts had a visit with former kansas city running back spencer ware into town on tuesday so that's the second at least that we know of that we've heard of a veteran running back who has come here to visit the colts joining jay ajay several weeks ago nothing came out of that at least nothing yet came out of that uh for spencer ware 27 years old a sixth round pick in 2013 he did fairly well for the Chiefs when he played, averaged 4.6 yards per carry on 340 carries in his career. But, Mike, what does this tell you that the Colts are continuing to bring in veteran running backs to see uh, if they can maybe work out a fit there? Always trying to get better, kick, you know, kick, kicking the tires on running backs, which makes sense. We'll talk a little bit later on about whether they would look in the draft with their running back. I think, in my mind, if they want to address that position, it'll be with a, a veteran. They've got the three young guys, three draft picks the last two years on running backs. It just makes sense that you want a guy who's sort of been there, done that. And both of these guys have that. Neither one, well, Jay Ajayi's had, he had that one great season and when was it Miami? Yes. 1,200, 1,300 yards, whatever it yeah, was. Several, like four or five, it seemed like 200 yard right. games that year just blew right. up. So, so that, that they can uh, maybe be, not that many, but they, they can be that guy that step in and, and, and give you some, some good carries. Spencer Ware. He's he's really good receiving out of the backfield. That's the kind of guy you want. To me, if they add a if they add a running back between now and training camp, it'll be that veteran guy who's and again Kansas City. Chris Ballard knows him. Mm-hmm. Jay Ajayi was in Philly, so Frank Wright knew him. So they're they're just reacquainting, and we'll see. You know, down down the road, maybe prior to training. Certainly, if you're going to sign a guy that you think is going to help you, he'll be in here for the OTAs. Right. So I, I would say by by May, they would have people in here who they want to be part of this team. It it, it tells me at least that uh, Frank Reich is maybe not entirely pleased with the running game. I know it finished twentieth last year, and he wants to do a lot better than that. When he was with the Eagles and they won the Super Bowl, everybody talks about Nick Foles all the time, but it was the running game that got him there. They were a top five running rushing attack in the NFL, and that's I'm sure what Frank Reich would like to see out of this Colts team. When I was looking at that and. Because at the owners' meetings, he said well, they want to be. Was it? Did he say top five? I think it's at least top ten. ten top, I think let's he let's said. say top ten. They were twentieth. I think they 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 averaged one hundred and seven yards a game. Part of that's on the coaching staff mm-hmm. because they were middle of the pack in 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 attempts per game. They threw sixty almost sixty two percent of the time. You know, Marlon Mack averaged four seven. Jordan Wilkins was five and a half. Mm-hmm. And then Naheem Hines brings him down with his three seven whatever it was, but a lot a lot of the problem with the lack of a running game when it was a lack of a running game is they didn't run the ball very much. Right. So so you know whether they got behind and got away from it, there were a couple of games that Nick Sirianni said, yeah, we got we should have stuck with it. I thought at times it was pretty good. You know, back to back the two hundred yard games against was it Buffalo and Oakland, I believe it was, which which is seldom do they do that. Marlon Mack again, four hundred yard games, first time since '07 with Joe Adai. So, I thought it was there most of the time. 
It's just there were, there were too many occasions, not too many, there were a few occasions where they got away from the running game, which is going to hurt your production. And that might be something that you can attribute to a young coaching staff that is just getting used to being in control of calling plays. Guys like Reich and Sirianni together, even though they have history and they kind of know each other, this is the first time that they, those two, are in charge of an offense. And you go out and you have Andrew Luck and you have shiny T.Y. Hilton and you have shiny Eric Ebron who's catching 13 touchdowns and um, and you kind of get focused on that a little bit and you're not disciplined enough to stay with the run. I wonder if Frank Reich would admit to that this year saying, hey, you need to be more disciplined to stay with the running game in those situations. Well, and also keep in mind they, they were without Marlon Mack the first four games. Correct. And Robert, Tur- and Robert Turbin the first yeah. four games. And Costanzo. And Costanzo. So, so the things played into it. I, I think the running game was better than the 20th spot looks, looks to be. And, and when they got the pieces together, it was pretty good. Well, one of the pieces that the Colts had at the beginning of the season, only for one game, was tackle Jamarcus Webb. Went on IR after week one against the Bengals. But the Colts re-signed him this past week, so you got Jamarcus Webb coming back for camp. Uh, don't know exactly how healthy he'll be. I, I assume he'll be back. And I think it was a hamstring is what he was dealing it, it, with. A pretty serious hamstring in yeah. the opener because he started the opener and right. then that was it. And then he was done. Yeah, I think he played 81 of 82 snaps or something like that too. So he played virtually the entire game and then <laughs> out, um, which allowed... Braden Smith to scoot over eventually, there. Eventually, get eventually, eventually, after several weeks, correct. getting him in there. But Jamarcus Webb was the guy. I mean, uh, last last year he he was signed July thirtieth, so he was signed even after the beginning of camp to bring him he, in. He was signed out of, out of necessity, yes, because they were out of tackles. I mean, yes. they were looking to bring Joe Wrights back. Yes, if Joe Wrights wasn't two hundred sixty pounds, <laughs> he lost all his girth. But, but but he he was a case of, of when, and and that's when they first tried put Braden Smith at right tackle from guard because they were out of tackles. They had four or five tackles, three or four tackles anyway, including Costanzo and Denzel Good, who were hurt. Mm-hmm. So he, he he was a late addition. They were and again the one the one uh, free agent that didn't work was uh on I'm, I'm spacing Austin Howard. Yeah, uh, that was his name. He got a pretty decent contract and he flamed out so completely. Uh Jamarcus Webb or Russell got Jamarcus Webb got here out of necessity. Mm-hmm. So uh, with Jamarcus Webb in there, that gives the Colts at least a little bit more depth on the exteriors at tackle. You still assume Braden Smith is your starter, more than assume. You can You've say got that. Joe Haig, who we don't know what he is. Which Maybe some... he shifts back to the inside, really, and Perhaps. focuses there now, because he's never focused any of his years, Joe Haig. You come in, you say, do everything. and that That's hard for an offensive it's, lineman. It's great for the team that's got a player like that, but yes. I, see, I feel for the player because – you're supposed to be pretty good at everything, but how do you get good at anything if you're center, your guard, mm-hmm. your right side, your left side? And, you know, again, he he's the second coming of Joe Wrights, and Joe Wrights had a pretty good career. There's a great line in the uh, in the HBO series The Newsroom about about some. It, it just reminded me of this. It's that uh, somebody asks. Like a, a news director asking an executive producer to do something, she's like, "How am I supposed to do that?" And she said, "And he says, well, put an ad in the paper for someone who can do your job." And then she said, "And something like uh, the, the ad should say that the person should be able to do hard things." So, right, it, it, it's it's a vintage Aaron Sorkin line that I love. But it, it, like Joe writes, you're asked to do something very hard, and I think he's done that over the early part of his career. He's done both guard and tackle. And he's done an adequate job, at least an adequate well, the, job. I think they wanted him to be the center. They, they thought they really before projected season, him before yes. going into the offseason. He was your backup center. And then again, injuries and whatever happened. Like, oh, back to. Back, and, and it's great to have that guy. But again, I, 
I, I've just talked to him on the side, and I said, wouldn't you really? And he sort of gives you that look that, yeah, it'd be cool to be, I, I'm your right guard. I, I'm your backup tackle. But you need, when you only carry probably 10 guys on the roster and you only have maybe seven uh, dress on game day, maybe eight, you got to have that guy that at the drop of a hat, because guys get hurt, can step in and, and, and play competently in the, in the middle of a game. So let's talk a little bit about the offensive line in this year's draft. That is a position we haven't spoken about too much because you have your five starters there that are pretty set. you got Anthony Costanzo on the left, to Quentin Nelson, to Ryan Kelly, Mark Lewinsky, who was just given in contract this offseason, and Braden Smith. So three of those guys still on their rookie contracts. Glowinski, who just got a contract this offseason, and then Anthony Costanzo at left tackle who has one more year left in his contract, I believe. One more, and then who knows. Costanzo will be 32 by the start of next season, 2020. He's had several good seasons. Last This past year was really the first where his health was brought into a little bit of doubt because he started all the time. Even He's missed 12 games in his career. Yes, and he, he plays through injury. Last year, he finally there was a part at the beginning of the year where he couldn't do it needed to sit out and it was a hamstring again that, ju- that I remember was tweaked in the preseason like it was well, he, ready he, he heard it like the, the two weeks before training or before training camp opened working right. out on his own right and then he sort of came back too quick and, and right. aggravated it so offensive tackle in this draft you figure the Colts have their starters but they could be thinking that Costanzo is getting older as I said will be 32 by the start of 2020 it is not out of the blue not entirely impossible that the Colts would take an offensive tackle high in this year's draft to be Anthony Costanzo's replacement in the future. I wrote about it Monday on the website, and I think that's what, in, in their mind, they probably know what they're doing as, as far as, and when I, trick, when I talk long-term in the NFL, I'm talking three or four years, unless yeah. it's a quarterback. Mm-hmm. So, so they have to decide, and I again, I think they probably already have, are we going to, Resign Costanzo. Is he going to be our tackle for the next, not this year, but two or three more years after that? Tackles can play a long time. They, they, some guys can play. And Andrew Whitworth is like 38. Yeah. Jason Peters with the Eagles is at least 35. And each of them have had multiple Pro Bowlers after, after age 31. Yep. So you need to decide, is Costanzo our guy for the next three or four years? If he is, you don't worry about it. Then you'll draft, you'll draft a lineman mid to late because you always do, mm-hmm. and maybe a tackle because you, you, you could use some depth there. But if he's not your guy, then you have to address it now. You should address it now. Now, yes. now. the worst thing to do is to, 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 to let him play out the contract and say, we're not going to re-sign you, then we're going to take a, dra- a rookie, you know, take a draft pick high next year and play him right away. Because mm-hmm. you look at the roster, the way it's made up, if Costanzo disappears tomorrow, who's your left tackle? He's not there. Or even Clark. He would fill in at least. He, he, would, he, would, he would play because you have to play with five. Yeah. And you're not going to put a tight end out there. But that that's to me, that's the key under, you know, the storyline that we don't talk a lot about is, is Cassanzo your guy? If he is, you, you worry about depth on the offensive line. If he's not, this is where you need to use, I assume, your first round pick on a left tackle and – Getting a, t- a tackle that deep in the in the first round is tough, Joe. Well, I was just gonna say, let's all put our GM caps on right now. I mean, besides injury, I see no reason that t- 
tackle needs to be addressed in the first round. I mean, Costanzo hasn't shown any signs of slowing down. So, like so that you means said. you're going to you're going to resign him. I mean, if this I think year those goes are two well, options. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't I don't even well, think if, see, if this year goes well, I think you try to sign him in the off season. Really, it, it, well, in my mind, is if. You mean this offseason? Yes, this coming. This if if off-season. you're committed to Costanzo, then, 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 he, then he in, in the quotes, next yeah. month, yeah. He, in the next month or two months, he gets an extension. Okay, that's, that's just what that. you do, and and then you have to decide. Obviously, price. He's top fifteen right now. He's he's averaging eleven million a year. He would probably need twelve or thirteen million dollars a year. Give him two years. I don't know. We're, we're playing GM here, but yeah. give him a two year deal, twenty five, twenty six million. And then worry about – you're not kicking the can down the road because you think he can still play at a high level. But that would get you through three more years, and then you worry about it. Then he'll be 33, 34, and then you can start worrying about it. But I think Joe Thomas retired when he was 31. Mm-hmm. A couple of other guys did. But some tackles can play a long time. Your question is, do you want to reinvest in a guy who's going to be, what, 32 when his contract's over mm-hmm. and give him two more years at, at, at good money? And would would he stay here for $13, 14000000 million a year? I'm thinking he would. I, I would imagine he would, too. And uh, he he's friends with, with Andrew Luck. He's gets along with the offensive line. He, I mean, I, I think this place is a good fit for him. He spent his whole career here. And I, I don't know if I've said on this podcast before. I know I've said it on Twitter, at Dave G Sports, Dave G underscore sports. You can follow me there. Way to work I, that in. Well, I appreciate that. At mchapel51, at Roto Street Joe. Uh, all of us, uh, and at Colts Blue Zone, of course, yeah, for the podcast as well. Throw them all out there. But I, I've said at least on social media before that I think Anthony Costanzo is one of the most underrated Colts that's out there because people people they get on him like like they do on social media, and I try not to pay attention to the trolls. That that's my 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 motto is I I mute the trolls. But there's, I've seen too many people talking about Anthony Costanzo, disappointed in Anthony Costanzo, and I don't know why, because he's consistently a top 15 or even top 10 offensive tackle in pro football focuses rankings, and honestly, they do a better job of grading people than I ever will, especially on the offensive line, where I can't coach, I can't really analyze what they do, except when I see someone get beat really badly or pancake somebody. Those are the two things that I really know. Like, hey, that happened. And that's that's what every fan or every media member who hasn't played offensive line or played organized football in their life is, is to, hey, that, okay, cool. But you can... You can grade them much better if you're a professional and pro football focus does a good job. Costanzo's consistently top 15, top 10. He's still up there. And as long as he's up there, I, I think he's got a home here in Indianapolis. I remember back, uh, he, the, the left tackle ahead before him for a long time, Tarek Glenn. Mm-hmm. People got on him. He had a false start every game. Yeah. Tell me how many times you remember Peyton Manning getting blindsided with Tarek Glenn there. None. Mm-hmm. So if, it, if it's a false start in Howard Mudd, swears, swears the officials missed it because Tarkin was so fast off the ball, it looked like he was mm-hmm. jumping early. But it's one of the better sto- – one of the more entertaining stories I did back in the day was I did a story on Tarek Glenn and, and Dwight Freeney and how those two positions are simply not fair the way they're graded. Take 60 plays and Tarek Glenn is perfect on 57 of them. Yep. And gets beat on three. He had an awful game. Mm-hmm. What Dwight Freeney can do just the opposite. 60 plays is awful. Doesn't even appear in 57 of them. And has three sacks. And he's all pro. Mm-hmm. That's just the nature of the business. 
and left tackles are going to get beat. Receivers are going to drop the ball. An all-pro corner is going to get beat. By and large, people need to appreciate Costanzo. It's very, very easy at any position. We need to get rid of Costanzo. Okay, replace him with who? Yeah, go exactly. ahead. Good luck. Good luck. If you do want to replace Anthony Costanzo, if you're in that camp out there, maybe some guys you would look at in the first round, Jonah Williams out of Alabama, 6'5", 300 pounds. Andre Dillard from Washington State might be there. Jawan Taylor from Florida. Um, obviously, they're all big guys, 6'5", 300-plus pounds. Um, Joe, is there anyone that you really wanted to point out and talk about? Uh, even though I think we're both in agreement that we like Costanzo there, but if the Colts brass has, is thinking something different, Anybody in there that, that really jumped off the page to you? Honestly, tackles always get overdrafted because of the value of the position. None of those three guys are going to be there. Maybe Andre Dillard because there's questions about his strength. He's a pure pass blocker. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he has almost twice as many pass sets in college uh, than any of these other top tackles. Um, so I, maybe he's around, but really what's more likely, in my opinion, is the Colts get a mid-round tackle, develop him um, to be that backup for Costanzo and maybe eventually take over. That's what you would have to do if, if that's, it seems like, because you, you get a year to develop him because Costanzo's still with you this year. He's not going anywhere. Mm-mm. So at least you would have that. Um, they, so th- they they will draft an offensive lineman, guaranteed. I would hope it's a tackle because again you need and again the guy you develop you know maybe two years ago you thought that was going to be Zach Panner, remember the guy that was big as a building, yes, didn't, didn't and, even make it to the and season. he didn't didn't make it to the season. So I, I just think that's an area that they're, they're always drafting for the developmental player and a we can argue where the mid round is, which is the fourth or fifth round pick. I wouldn't I wouldn't do a seventh round pick on a lineman because that's just just a guy. But if there's a guy that you really like, you think you to develop him to be a swing backup tackle, take him in the fourth that round. That was Denzel Good, a seventh-round pick right. that saw some time here in Indianapolis. So eh, you never know when they'll take him. Yeah, I mean, for Colts fans, a few of the mid-round guys to keep an eye on. Titus Howard out of Alabama State, great athlete. He was a high school quarterback, long 34-inch arms. He, he was did... a quarterback and he grew into a tackle? Yeah, 300 Jared Lorenzen, oh, yeah, <laughs> in that vein. I, I just want to see Frank Reich draw up a play where uh, where he gets where he like gets the handoff it. and throws it. Yes. So he's got some versatility. Let's do that. Um, I kind of like these athletic guys who have potential to play on the left side. Yadni Kajust from West Virginia is another one. Long arms, um, needs to improve his technique. Uh, Chuma Idoga from USC, um, another guy, 34 and 3 fourths inch arms. Very good athlete, just needs to work on his pass protection fundamentals. But these are guys who could be molded into potential starters on the left side. If you're a left tackle, you need your pass protection fundamentals set. <laughs> yeah, I, I would hate to bring in a left tackle and think it. I can, we think we can make this guy. It's because you get you take tackles a lot of times and make them into guards. Yeah, I would like to at least have the fundamentals in place if I thought this guy's going to be my left tackle. Mm-hmm. But again, we're talking mid round. We're talking a swing tackle. We're not talking necessarily a uh, your starting left tackle. Again, my concern at the tackle position it's again it's Laraven Clark, it's Joe Hegg, it's Josh Andrews. Is he a tackle? Let's see. Um, Joe Hegg, uh, Jamarcus Webb, Braden Smith, Anthony Costanzo. I mean, there's five players right there. Plus, plus Andrews would be six. Right. So, so I, I don't mind the depth there. I would like a, a developmental guy because I, I really think they want Joe Hegg to play inside. I really, mm. I really do. And they've got seven or eight guys that you really kind of like. You know, we didn't talk Evan Bame, yep. who, who's a center. Mm-hmm. 
almost exclusively center. So I think they could use some some young depth, intriguing depth on the edge. And then it always goes back to your your roster and how are you going to fill out the fifty three. Uh, last year, the Colts started the season with 10 players, 10 offensive linemen on the 53. And really, they played most of the season with 10 players on the 53, injuries permitting here and there. But if you get your five starters after them, Bame to back up at center, Haig to back up at one guard, you got LaRaven Clark and maybe Jamarcus Webb that you just signed at, at tackle. Those are two guys. You have one position left that you could squeeze in there, maybe another guard, maybe another tackle, if Haig can play both tackles, if Bame can play a tackle, if you can get Smith in there to play a tackle and move in Webb if somebody gets hurt, God forbid. So so it always comes back to that, and that's why I always want to bring that up here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast, is that the 53 is set. It's a, it's a hard 53, and with offensive linemen, you get a set number there. Certainly you want a bunch, but also you need other players as well. Well, Chris Ballard mentioned that ideally, if the roster allows, you want to go into training camp, with 10 starters, with 10 Absolutely. guys you could say if he had to play, he can play on the offensive line. Yes. And they had trouble with that last year because of injuries, and they just don't want that to happen again. Another position of uh, perhaps, perhaps need for the Colts that you might see a draft pick, tight end. And that is maybe not uh, not expected for, for many Colts fans because of the production the Colts had a tight end last season. Eric Ebron, we've talked about him already. 13 touchdown receptions, 14 total touchdowns. Jack Doyle, coming back from injury, you expect him to return. Mo Cox has shown a good amount of potential. Uh, Ross Travis, who they signed this offseason, right there. Ryan Hewitt, they filled him in for a while. I'd imagine that it would be very difficult for him to get a spot on this roster unless there are multiple injuries in the preseason. But looking at the Colts' contract situations with those guys, uh, Jack Doyle, Eric Ebron, Mo Alleycox are all entering the final year of their contract. So if you put on your GM cap, you're thinking three years down the line. You've for always the got to look ahead. So which one, who of those guys do you want to keep around here? That's something you have to think about. Maybe you go out and draft somebody to compete for those spots. Well, that, that's why I mentioned with, with Eric Ebron, he's the one guy I want to see how he deals with incredible success he was the the media darling, you know. Whenever he's in the locker room, there's people around his locker for good reason. He's very personable. If he has, and again, in my mind, if Costanzo's my left tackle, I resign an extension now. Yes, I'm not sure how you do that with either Ebron or, or Doyle. I need to see Ebron do it again mm-hmm. because he didn't do it before this. And with Jack Doyle, he's certainly not ancient. What's he going to be? Thirty when his by next up. season, yes. By next season. Yeah. But he's he's got the hip the hip situation, the kidney injury that put him on IR. If I'm trying to think which one actually put him on IR. But but the the hip injury is the one that concerns me is how how does he come back from it? They Chris Ballard told us that the kidney issue is behind him. That's no longer an issue. Hip injuries can be can be dicey. Mm-hmm. And you certainly can't resign Ebron because you don't know if he can follow up and you can't give uh, Jack Doyle an extension, I don't think, because you don't know for sure how he comes back from the injury. Keep in mind that Jack Doyle is exactly the player, type of player, that Chris Ballard wants this locker room to be about. Right. He was the first, he was just like his first player move when he came here in 2017 as they signed Jack Doyle to the extension. You know, Then they get rid of Dwayne Allen. So it's we, we put this as an under-the-radar possibility the same as, as left tackle only because of the contract situation 
And again, this is one I don't know how you resolve it because you, you know, with Costanzo, you should re-sign him. With these two guys and and Molly Cox, you don't know. You're not you don't know long term how they fit in because you want to see how they play this year. And fans will look at who is on the roster in terms of who you're going to draft. GMs will look at who is going to be on the roster right. in terms of who you are going to but draft. The GM's got to be short term, long term in approach. You 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 can't ignore the future or you know when the future gets here. You know they didn't anticipate Tariq Glenn. Retiring in, after right. 2006, and he did. And then you're, you, who's your left tackle? Mm-hmm. It turned out to be Tony Hugo, and that didn't work out so well. Joe, you have a guy. I do have that a guy. You like Joe's guy. And before, unlike before. last week, where Joe was uh, bemoaning every person that we mentioned, perhaps like I don't like that guy. I don't like that guy. J- Joe actually has a guy at tight end that that he he's is it Ding guy? Is it Lawrence guy? Is it, Kyle it is guy? not. And just to be clear, I like. Scary Terry McLaurin, just not with the 26th pick. Oh, they um, won't do that. They, they, they won't use the first-round pick on a tight end. No, no. Um, I was just going to say before I got into my guy, this is kind of what Chris Ballard has been talking about with saving the money to re-sign his own. I mean, because the Colts haven't spent a ton of free agency. Absolutely. They have the money to re-sign a premier left tackle and two very quality tight ends. Um, I was I was looking at somebody projected that t- t- for Ebron it would take about nine million a year, two maybe two years nine million a year, and with Jack Doyle three years six I don't know I, I don't know you, five, you've got because they're different players, and you could almost argue down to down to down Jack Doyle is a guy who 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 I don't say more valuable but but does the more consistent heavy lifting. And then Ebron comes in and does the red zone stuff and does his touchdowns and all that. But in the market, when it comes to resigning him, Ebron's going to command the bigger contract. Mm-hmm. No doubt. No doubt. Um, if they don't end up resigning him, a few guys to look at in the mid rounds. I'm talking, you know, fourth rounder later. My guy is Foster Moreau from LSU. Um, he's a blocking tight end. He kind of almost reminds me of Doyle in that, you know, 6'4. Though he's a little taller, but 250, big, strong guy, put up 22 reps at the combine, second most among tight ends. But his athleticism kind of shows you that he has more upside. I mean, a 46640, he had the best 20 yard shuttle of tight ends at the combine with the 411. Um, showed off really good hands at the Senior Bowl. You know, he needs to get better at route running and, you know, developing in the passing game because he was used mostly as a blocker at LSU. But he's one of those guys, kind of like, I don't want to put this label on him, but George Kittle at Iowa, you know, he didn't get a lot of play in the passing game, but he always had the ability, and that kind of was brought out of him once he got to the pros and Shanahan's system. So those are the kind of guys I look for in the deeper rounds who are good players but have room to do more. And I enjoy your note here as well that his teammates voted him to wear the number 18 in LSU. That's That vote is for a leader who represents the school well both on and off the field. So, uh, Mike, he's your favorite, a horseshoe Horseshoe guy. guy. You yes, beat sir. me to it. Yep, I did. I did. Oh, yeah. And then I got a couple other ones. Kalia Waring from San Diego State. Um, very athletic, high upside guy, but he was a basketball player, only played one year of football there we in go. high school. Yeah, basketball players. That's right. So he's still, you know, learning the game. And then Drew Sample from Washington. Lane's airline of NFL Network actually compared him to Jack Doyle. Um, another big guy, 6'5", 255, blocking tight end, but ran a 4'7", 140. Pretty good three cone. Um, he's another one of those guys who can block for you, but also catch sort of like Doyle. 
um, isn't going to run away from anybody, but he'll do the dirty work and on be third reliable. and seven. On third and seven at the forty yard line, I think I'd rather have Jack Doyle than Eric Ebron. Yeah, I, I just think he again. W- w- it's easy. It's easy to dismiss Jack Doyle as just a, a guy who who does his job, but everything he does is and, and he's improved immensely as a blocker. I just think that if if he comes back from that hip injury and shows no no ill effects from it. He's a guy that you want around here. I don't think he's going to break the bank. He, he's going to want to get paid because that's why you're playing this. He should get paid because he should get, correct. Yes, but you know, because let's, let's not forget, he's Pro Bowl yep. two years ago, eighty some catches, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, so, so he's a quality player. His only issue is will he come back from that hip? All right, and if he does, I, at his age and what he brings to the team, you know, I'm sure Andrew Luck will will be the first at Ballard's. Death saying, hey, we need this guy, and, and this is why. So, again, I think it's a very intriguing – that position may be more, I guess, more long-term uncertainty just because of what we've talked about. You've got two guys who are going to be up that if they are what they were, you know, Doyle two years ago and Ebron this year, they should be your tight ends. And keep in mind how how – uh, Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni value tight ends. Oh, you need two of them. In they, well, you need probably yeah, but which At means least. you need three or four in your roster. Yeah, right. they went. Uh, they had remember they had thirteen players catch touchdowns last year, title league record. Five of them were tight ends. Mm-hmm. Now it took you know, Ryan Hewitt the last game to get it. Hey, it counts. <laughs> it, it counts. <laughs> and uh, it's funny. I've got a poster at home where when Peyton threw his forty nine touchdowns, it's it's all the guys that caught touchdowns. Be kind of funny to have a tight ends room where you got the five guys, yes, with Molly Cox and and, and uh, Eric Swope. So it was a really quality room. But these guys love tight ends. They think it gives them great mismatch possibilities. So tight end will always. I don't want to say it's more valuable than receiver because it's not. But let's not dismiss the value of tight end in this offense. And, Mike, I'll make one point before we move on from tight end. If Andrew Luck is the first in Chris Ballard's office to say we need Jack Doyle, the second might be the self-proclaimed president of the Jack Doyle fan club, which is Eric Ebron. He, lo- <laughs> he loves him some Jack Doyle. He does. And that's what, again, it's, 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 it's chemistry in the locker room. Yes. Does, it, it matters. I mean, I realize there have been some rogue teams that have gone their own way, but but if you walk around that locker room and and you had to f- to point out five knuckleheads i'm not sure i could and there've been times in the past in that Colt locker room you didn't stop at five you were you know 10 and 15 guys so uh they, they get along well and the, the, they could do what they did last year to cover up for, for jack virtually missing two thirds of the season mm-hmm. uh cuz again his value in in the offense being sustainable continuing drives, uh, th- that's where his value is. We're talking Colts under-the-radar draft needs here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast alongside Mike Chappell. I'm Dave Gerfuths, Joe Hopkins here on the mic as well. Uh, we've talked tight end, we've talked offensive linemen, and another position that we mentioned early on on a different note in the show was running back. Um, and it's an under-the-radar position because the Colts running back room is very young and very talented. And very familiar. Yes. You have Marlon Mack. You have Naeem Hines, you have Jordan Wilkins, and also, uh, uh, is it Joe Williams who's the last Jonathan, one? Jonathan, Jonathan Williams. Williams. I, I knew that. I, yep. I got to write first and last names here on this list so I don't make a fool out of myself. Um, so so you have a group right there that, um, that was productive for you last year, especially when healthy. 
You've got Jim Ursay saying he thinks Marlon Mack is a 1,500-yard back, potentially, if he gets the opportunity to do well, so. if he doesn't miss four games, what does he rush for? 12, 1,300 yards? He averaged 75 yards a game, which is not elite, but it's pretty doggone good. So you hear that from uh, from Jim Ursay, and you're like, really, for a second? And then he goes out and performs like that this year. Because right. Ursay said that before the season last year. He said year. that in training camp. Yes. And we all sort of... Well, that's Jimmy being Jimmy, and then and then he, and then you know. he he sort of does it, yeah. Uh, and he again, let's not uh, the uh, the four hundred yard games, which around here is legendary. You're talking Joe Adian and and uh, Edron James are the guys that were doing that. And then he had was it 148 yards at Houston? Oh yeah, in, in the, the playoffs, playoffs. yeah. Uh, the record a, 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 franchise. A franchise record that for a franchise that's got it's had some pretty good running backs playing the playoffs, so. I like the running back room. I and I don't. Sometimes we it comes out as criticism. I don't mean it to be. I think they would like something better than Jordan Wilkins as your third guy. Although he showed he played really really well as a rookie. He was your he was your member. He was your opening day starter. Yes, he was. Uh, people they had uh, we talk about the rookies. They they started five rookies uh, against Cincinnati. But I, I I we talked earlier. I just think if they want to add to the room, I just think it's the veteran guy. They've used draft picks the last th- two years, three draft picks on running backs, but fourth round, fourth round, and fifth round, I think is what it was. Mm-hmm. And I th- I think they like this group. And again, I, I would argue, again, with, with Frank Reich as much as I could, that the lack of being higher in the, in, in the running stats was as much on the coaching staff as it was the players. Because mm-hmm. if you look at the stats, the players played pretty well when they were out there. So I, I would they draft a guy? Joe's probably got some names to throw at us, but I think if 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 there's a if there's a name not here for training camp or even the OTAs, it'll be a veteran guy, not a, not not a draft pick. And, and and the Colts are are making make I hate to say making moves because they're not actually making any moves, but they're they're taking steps in the direction that that's. That's what you would logically think because they've brought in Joe Adai to to kick the tires on him. They've brought in Spencer Ware to kick the tires on him. So those veteran backs are coming in. It gives you the idea that the Colts are looking at something for the running back room. And if it's the running backs that are coming in, well, maybe it's a veteran. Well, again, I think what you, to me you're in, in the roster building process. Where you're at now is you've done free agency for the most part with Justin Houston and Devin Fungus. Now you've got the draft, and then, then what you don't get from the draft, then you know the Shane Ray, if he's still out there at linebacker, or the running backs, or someone else, I think then you use, this would be like the third wave or fourth wave of free agency, to fill in the holes. Remember uh, several years ago when, when they had an injury or a lingering injury, and they signed Mike Adams on the th- first day of their veteran minicamp yep. in mid-June. or June, yeah. mid-June, yeah. So I, I think you're in the point where you're, they like the roster, where it is. They, they've kicked tires on guys. Let's go through the draft, and if we don't get a tackle, if we don't get a running back, which again I don't, I don't think they waste another not waste invest another draft pick on a running back. That's where you bring in a guy and say, okay, this guy can be that third or fourth option. And if the Colts do select a running back, Joe, in this draft, it, 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 I would. I would be far-fetched to think that it would be in the first couple rounds. This would be a mid-to-late-round pick if they choose to go this route. I'm thinking very early. It's fourth round, more likely fifth or yeah. sixth. Because Marlon Mack was a fourth-round pick himself. Yeah, I mean, you can find good running backs there. I mean, here here's the way I see the Colts running back group. If everyone stays healthy, 
it's a very good group, and you don't need to add anyone else. But through two years, Marlon Mack has yet to prove that he can play a full season. But as a rookie, he played hurt. Yeah, the he, he played with a bad shoulder, so I'll give him credit for that. And last year, it was the hamstring, hamstring that he injured either in training camp or in a pre. It was in Seattle. It wasn't Seattle because he played there. He got he caught right. the first pass from Andrew Luck. I remember that gained like eight yards, whatever, right. down the field. So he played there. So I, I, I'm not ready to put injury prone on him yet. But when you miss four games in the first four of the season, and your team starts one and five, then it's it's your your absence is magnified. Yeah, so I think what they would be adding is a guy who can fill in a few games in max role if they need to be. That's why they're looking at the veterans. That's why, that's why I lean more towards a veteran than I do a rookie. But Yeah, yeah. If they go rookie, I think you know a few of the guys late are going to be those bigger, more powerful backs because that's kind of what the Colts group is missing. They don't have that guy who's going to run you over at the goal line. Um, I'll, I won't say everything about him, but I'll throw out a few names. Rodney Anderson from Oklahoma, he'd be considered a top back in the class, but a lot of injury problems with him. Maybe they take a chance on him. Uh, Ryquil Armstead from Temple, very tough runner, uh, 4-4-5 speed as well. And then Benny Snell from Kentucky, all-time leading rusher at Kentucky, 5'10", 224, uh, he only ran a four six forty, but I mean, against SEC in three years, he ran for thirty eight hundred yards. So those are three guys who could give the Colts running back group something they don't already have, and um, you know, just maybe fill in for Marlon Mack if he misses a couple games. It's possible. And, and again, I look back again to what Frank Reich had success with before in Philadelphia, and I hate to keep bringing that up, but I do because it's it's his history and. When when he had the stellar running back group that was one of the tops in the NFL, it was Legarrette Blunt who was who was the power ball in inside the ten yard line and scored, I believe it was ten plus touchdowns that regular season that the Eagles won the Super Bowl with him. So if he's looking for a bigger back, uh, the draft might be might be the place to do it. I saw one mock draft about a month ago. They had him taking uh, Josh Jacobs from Alabama in round one, and I I would be beyond beyond shocked. <laughs> I'm like with Joey. If it, if it's any earlier than the fourth round, I just, I just know, knowing the way these guys think and approach the offense, and this is going to be a backs by committee as much as it would be. You know, Marlon Mack is going to get his 20 carries a game, but I just don't see them going out and thinking one of our missing pieces is something better than Marlon Mack because I, I don't want to say he's just good enough because that sort of d- d- diminishes what he did last year, but Marlon Mack has shown. That he's got the capabilities again. Injuries is always an issue. It, it is with any any player, but I I would be beyond shocked if I think they're looking for a, a third guy behind Mac and Hines and an improvement on Jordan Wilkins. And, and if and if I'm say if you're stuck, but if those are your top three going into the season, I think you're in pretty good shape. Those yeah. are the moves though that that GMs make every year in the draft. And you're like, what? Maybe not every GM, but. You've seen them here in Indianapolis, where you're like, that, that's not a need. Why are, they pay, why are they picking that? And it tells you a lot about what the GM or what the scouting department sees in that one player. So if the Colts do take a running back in the first couple rounds of this draft, they are super, super high on him because of what they have right now. And I'll point out just quickly the examples. When the Colts drafted Philip Dorsett in the first round, not really seen as much as a position of need. And Ryan Grigson just loved him because of his speed. Thought that was something that could get them past the Patriots. Obviously, he was wrong. 
Um, but another one, when Bill Polian drafted Reggie Wayne, a lot of people did not think the Colts needed a wide receiver. Even though Marvin Harrison was getting defense, older. Defense, it was, yeah, exactly. They, they, that, that, that was just, and you would know better than me because you were covering the team at that time. But it turns out that Bill Polian was right, that they were very high on Reggie Wayne and they brought him in and the rest is history. So, so when a team takes a player that is in a scenario that we're kind of talking about now, more under the radar, if they take them higher than expected, it lets you know what the team, what the scouting department, what the GM specifically thinks of that specific player. Let's say, you know, let's say with, with their draft room, they've got a player whatever position, let's say a running back, that they think is has a high second-round grade on him. And, and if that's the case, then, then maybe you take him in the first round because you're only talking, what, 10 picks or 13 picks difference in tw- 26 and 30? I think it's 8, 34. 26 and 34. 34. Yep. Okay. So. so it's pretty quick. But but again, if you if you really are, are committed to that player and he's there, we've, we've talked previously, this roster – is is light years where it was when Ballard came in. I mean, they they, they needed help at every virtually every position. It turned out quarterback too until sure. Luck got back. But you could argue now that there's no glaring need at a position. You you, sure, you, you want you want upgrades. You want you want a, a safety you can depend on. You want a better cornerback. You need a number two receiver. But and and now Justin Houston gives you the the pass rusher at least short term. There's no glaring we have to get this thing filled before the season starts so that's at least they've they've built the roster at that point to where we're going to hear the best player available bpa BPA, we're going to hear it there's one more position that i want to bring up uh that's more an under the radar draft need and that is quarterback you kind of just brought it up, so figure we'll hop off there. Andrew Luck is your starter. I'm not saying that the Colts are deciding to to move on from Andrew Luck. Don't don't don't. That'd be don't a hot take, that. wouldn't it? No, we we <laughs> would get, let's move on from Andrew Luck. We, we would get some clicks there, and yeah, then right. Would, Maybe I should have said that. Then, then people would discard us as being l- lunacy, loony, loony, loony. But but behind Andrew Luck is Jacoby Brissett, and as much of a good soldier as he was in the Colts' four and twelve year a couple of seasons ago. He has one more year on his contract, and when that contract is up, he will demand a fair price. He will be gone. Yes, and and he, you are more confident in that than I am. But I think that's the way that's the way I'm leaning for sure. That I think he will be gone. He will go somewhere else where he has much more of a chance to play. So, if that's the case, is Philip Walker the guy that you want to step in there, who's been on the Colts practice squad the past couple years, and be Andrew Luck's backup quarterback in case something happens, or do you draft somebody else and make somebody a quote-unquote developmental quarterback that you have on the practice squad probably this year, and then able to come in and at least compete for the backup squad, uh, backups position in 2020? I would take door number three. Okay, I, I wouldn't draft a guy. I, I, I guess I don't see the value, and I could be talked into it. I could I don't see the value of developing a backup quarterback. If 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 you draft a guy fifth or sixth round, and you really like him, then you probably won't leave him in the practice squad because he's fair game. So that means you carry three quarterbacks. And and Chris Ballard said, hey, we can carry three quarterbacks. Right. Although the value of each roster spot is difficult to do. I, again, I, I'm pretty well convinced that the only way that you bring Brissett back next year is to pay him. I mean, good money. Yeah. And we can argue what good money is. 
he wants to start. I mean, he, he he's starter quality. Look around the league. Deserves it. Yeah. He he he's he's top thirty two now. He's you know oh, the yeah. bo- he's in the bottom third of the thirty two, but he's he's top thirty two, and he wants to, he wants the chance to start, and it won't be here barring injury. So I just I, I I take him out of the mix, and I just wouldn't draft a quarterback and say I want to I want to groom him to be the backup. To me, when it comes time, when you've got luck and barring injury, he's going to be your quarterback for the next what is he twenty for the next eight years. I just think you—that's what you address next offseason. There are backup quarterbacks, some a lot worse than others, and I think that's what you do. You just—you get back to where you're bringing in a Matt Hasselback, you're bringing in people like that, and there'll always be somebody there. And whenever you sign that guy, it's going to be hoping he never plays, mm-hmm. except except in that final preseason game in Cincinnati, of course. But I—I I just don't. St- Maybe I'm way off. I just don't know that they draft a guy with the idea of developing it into being a backup. Maybe they will, but I, I wouldn't go that way. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you. The only way I could see it is if maybe they put a round four grade on the guy. He's still there around seven, and they say, what the hey? You know, we'll, we'll, we'll take him in case all hell breaks loose. Um, but, but then be committed to taking him, carrying him on your, third, on your 53. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, keep, keep in mind, anybody on the practice squad is a free agent. Right. They, they can go anywhere at any time. Unless you just, I, I guess you can, you can pay practice squad players more, uh, but do you want to commit a guy that you really like on your fifty three when you're going to have injuries? You're going to have he's not going to play any other position. He's not going to be like that, you know, wild man down in New Orleans that, that plays all the different positions and quarterback. So, so whether or not you think you can do that, fine. But I would just, I would take. When you move on from Brissett, I would take the year or two or three years at a time and find a guy and and hope your quarterback doesn't get hurt. There's also the option, and we've seen this happen the past couple years in the NFL, that you, if you have somebody else, like a third quarterback, maybe you keep him on the roster, there's going to be a team that their starting quarterback goes down, gets hurt, and they're going to be looking for a starting quarterback. And maybe they feel their backup quarterback is not the guy. And so offers for Jacoby Brissett. I know the Colts have had them, for sure. Chris Ballard has specifically told Jacoby Brissett, I'm not letting you go just for anything. I'm not giving you away. Yep, I'm not giving you away. Like he, He's earned his spot on this team. He's earned that right, I guess, or whatever you call it. So the Colts, if they keep Jacoby Brissett on this roster, which, which for this next year they will, unless he gets traded. Well, they again, will get again you're right. It, it could, something could happen in... August, September, yep. somebody you know, player goes down, and it it that that's why he's here, right? That's why he's here in the first place. So mm. it could happen. It's it's funny. Somebody sent me a question: Do I think the Colts would would uh, trade Brissett for a high second round draft pick? Of course you would, mm-hmm. but you're not going to get a high second round draft pick. That's you're the not getting any second round draft pick for Jacoby Brissett because that's just not what it's going to take to get a quarterback. What do you think it would take to get Brissett? Well, I'd take a second. If, if someone offered a three, I'd, I'd take a three. A three. What do you think the Colts could get back, realistically? Probably a four. Yeah, a four. I'd say a four or, five, four or five. You might get that. Yeah. I'd say a three at the highest, more likely a four. I mean, the one year he played, he played pretty well. I mean, he was sacked 52 times. There was no offensive line. He was acquired September 2nd. He made his first start September 17th through almost double the touchdowns and interceptions. That's all you can hope for in a guy in that situation. Well, and that year sort of 
kind of flies against what I'm saying, where you can find a backup quarterback because the Colts' backup quarterback that year was Scott Tolzien. Pick six, first play. <laughs> and his last play. And his last and play. And his last play. Poor Scott. So, it's, I know. It, so, so, to say you can find those guys, you can, but too often it, it is a guy who can't can't do it. And, and again, I think Brissett showed enough as, as in that, I want to say a rookie year, but in, in that year where he played that much, to, to give people maybe, you know, what might he do if he plays more? So I, in talking to him in the locker room, he wants to start. He loves it here. He really does. It's a great locker room. It's a great quarterback room. He gets a lot of input with the offense, with the quarterbacks. But he's a competitor. He, want, he wants to start. Yeah, you see him running out there to take the picture with the defense. He wants to be a part of it so bad. But. And that's that goes back to the, the, the locker room dynamics. And one thing that too, also that, that Chris Ballard said is it would have to be a deal that, that works for both the player and the, and the team. I, I think he might hedge on that. If they, if they get a decent deal offer for somebody and maybe it's not the greatest situation for Brissett, you, ha- you still have to do what's best for the team. Yep. But uh, I, do, I, I do think that it would take something enticing. I just think that in barring – a couple of injuries at whether the team to, I think that Brissett's here this year and then he's gone. And I think it, it takes the team in the right scenario, obviously, to make this deal. You mentioned the Colts scenario just two years ago when when Brissett stepped in. Uh, there there might have been other quarterbacks out there besides Scott Tolzien to be your backup, but you would have had to give up draft capital to get them. And in Chris Ballard's first year, he's not given up draft capital. Uh, for for a decent backup quarterback, so like I said, you got to find a team in the right position that is willing to give up some draft capital because they feel they are maybe just one step away from staying relevant until the starting quarterback gets back or taking you across the finish line, whatever it might be. So th- those are just just possible scenarios that the Colts could be facing in the future with the backup quarterback. And hey, maybe a New York Giants or a uh, you know Washington Redskins, a team that really needs a quarterback, whiffs on one early. They don't get their guy. They're sitting in the third, fourth round, and they like Brissett better than any other the quarterbacks in the draft. They go ahead and flip a third-round pick. Mm-hmm. That could happen too. Yep, all possible. Yes, that's again, that's one of the, the – what's interesting is the ones, the positions we've talked about today are ones where it's, they've just been dismissed. But, but but these things could happen and again. I, I just know the way that GMs, whether it's Bill Polian or, or or now Chris Ballard, you have to d- consider every option. I saw a story it was on Twitter the other day about uh, was it the New York Giants in 1996 were a scout in the room. I think the Giants had the sixth overall pick, and they knew that one of these four players would be there. They just knew it. They were all gone, and they're all sitting there with their thumbs in, in places because they didn't have another option. Thumbs in places. And they took, was it Cedric Evans or somebody? It was one of the, the worst picks ever by the team. And the, the scouts said it was because we had no idea once we our four options were gone. And that's why even at 26, you know, maybe Ballard has an idea of five or six players that they're pretty sure is going to be there. But you don't know. Right, you know, a quarterback will go earlier because they always do, and people will take players you didn't anticipate. So at twenty six, you better have a range of, I don't know, ten players that. Oh, at least if they're there, yeah, you take them. Especially because, since you're back at thirty four again. You right, know. you'll be you're, right. So, so it's you, you. The guy said that you have to prepare for the worst case scenario, and that's probably pretty good advice. 
That's Mike Chappell at mchappell51 on Twitter. You can follow me at DaveG underscore sports. Joe Hopkins at Roto Street Joe. And, of course, our show, the at Colts Blue Zone podcast. Yet another one draft a couple weeks away. Now we will get more in-depth on the draft. The NFL schedule coming out in the coming weeks. We'll talk about that extensively, I am sure. Many more topics to broach on the Colts Blue Zone podcast, and we'll get to them as we keep sending it out. Thanks for listening. Thank you for subscribing. If you haven't subscribed already, please download, subscribe. The easiest way to get it straight to you week after week when we get these things done. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. 